0: This episode of the Supply Chain Brain podcast is supported by TGW Logistics Group, a leading systems provider of highly automated, flexible solutions supporting distribution and fulfillment for retailers and global brands in e-commerce, apparel, general merchandise, and grocery. Be sure and stick around after the discussion for a look at the company. But now, on to the podcast. Fast fashion is getting even faster, this time in the Fulfillment Center. Hi everybody, I'm Bob Bowman, Managing Editor of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. The original meaning of the term fast fashion was apparel that got supplanted by new items much faster than in the days when clothing manufacturers offered just two or three seasons of merchandise. That's even more the case today, but fast now also means the speed at which product is fulfilled in the warehouse and rushed to store shelves or online buyers. Today we'll explore that transformation with Raffaella Destro, fashion and apparel industry manager with TGW Logistics Group. He'll talk about how the material handling sector is responding to demands for order turnaround with unprecedented speed. We'll learn how the latest technology is influencing the size, layout, and placement of distribution centers. And we'll see where humans fit into the equation as well. So here is my conversation with Rafaela Destro. Rafaela Destro, welcome to the show.
1: Oh, thank you,
0: Bob. It's my pleasure. We're going to be talking today about the fashion industry and more specifically the fast fashion industry and the standpoint of fulfillment strategies within warehouses and distribution centers. I'm wondering if you could tell me, just to start, what are the special requirements of the fashion industry when it comes to material handling and fulfillment?
1: Well, it's a combination of different effects. You rightly said about fast fashion because this has been the first impact on our industry in terms of managing to get new requirements. You know, In the past, all apparel companies used to replenish their stores once a week and fast fashion started doing maybe at least twice a week. So this meant deliveries got smaller but more frequent. On top of this, what we have experienced in the last few years, we also the, the growth of e-commerce. So e-commerce is completely affecting this world. Everybody's trying now to move into omnichannel, and this has brought even more frequent and smaller deliveries to the shop, somehow forcing companies to rethink the way they do a supply chain because the legacy system they have installed in the past are not anymore capable of delivering the service level that these new challenges are requiring.
0: So fast fashion isn't necessarily a new concept. We've been hearing about that for the last couple of decades at the very least. But what's new then is when you add in the angle of e-commerce and then fast fashion has to become (laughs) even faster in a way, right?
1: Exactly, exactly. You are talking
0: about fast fashion. For
1: me, it's mainly a matter of dealing with this e-commerce growth and what this is bringing into this industry. Because from an e-com perspective, for example, we used to be happy to receive a delivery in a few days. But now, giants like Amazon have somehow created this expectation where if I make an order online tonight, latest tomorrow morning, someone will be knocking at my door delivering the parcel I was looking for. So, this has really made fast fashion, not anymore in terms of new collections, multiple collections per year, trying to attract customers to shops. This really now means fast in terms of requirement for highly dynamic solutions to provide goods into the shops and to to
0: homes i guess the word fast before meant that the collections change so quickly that the concept of two or three seasons a year has gone away completely and now you walk into a store to buy something and two weeks later that item's not going to be there if you hold off on it does the same hold true for e-commerce too do the collections themselves change so quickly when you're ordering online
1: They do. They do. It depends. Again, we define different business models in the fashion and apparel world. There are those which we call brands that typically have still mainly two bigger collections, the spring, summer and autumn, winter, where across those two large periods start introducing more and more collections, but still in a limited number. Or we go to the real fast fashion companies that now are on a 14 different collections per year. And this means that the speed to market is very important. The, uh, the fashion cycle is reducing and reducing. So there is SQU proliferation. There is a, a need to have less inventory in shops. And this is actually one of the biggest drivers. We are dealing with customers which are thinking of restructuring the entire supply chain just to reduce the amount of stock that they will end up having in their shops in the wrong locations by the end of each collection. And this is a huge cost.
0: You know, it used to be that replenishment was an important issue in fashion. Maybe it still is, but the point was that, let's say you're in a store and you're selling out on a popular item. Back in the day, you might want to very quickly replenish that. But now it seems like replenishment is not even an issue anymore. It's like when you're out of that product, that product is gone and it's time for another product. Am I wrong about that or is there still an element to which you still need to have that agility so that when you see something happening out there in the marketplace, you can actually adjust and change with the same items?
1: Again, it depends really on different business models of our customers. Some companies – are playing on this so that if customers are getting to a shop and they see something that they like, either they buy it immediately or they know it's going to be gone. And this is exactly the way these companies are attracting customers to shops, because we know one of the big issues of the last times is how do we make shops attractive? At the other hand, there are still companies which are prepared to do the replenishment. And these, instead of being once a week is now almost on a daily basis because you need to think of how are e-com orders delivered. They can either be delivered at homes or there is the click and collect. So orders, e-com orders, are now more and more frequently delivered to the shops. Some companies offer, for example, free deliveries if you pick it up into the shop. So if you anyway have to deliver something into a shop for an e-com order, then probably it's also worth it doing the replenishment Of your own standard collections and this is where we see this fragmentation of orders instead of a large order now we end up with small and frequent orders and somehow this is really put in crisis the standard way of apparel in the way the distribution centers work in the past we used to always refer to what we call batch picking and then sorting. So, what is batching? Batching means collecting a certain amount of orders, trying to find some commonalities across the SKUs which compose these orders, and then optimize either the manual batch picking in a large manual pick phase, and then sorting these SKUs. Now, Mm -hmm. if we have to deliver every single day a small order to a shop, this batch effect falls apart. So, The full industry, we always used to sell large sorting systems for apparel, and now this is not anymore fulfilling the requirements because large batches are not there anymore, commonality effect is not there anymore, number of deliveries is increasing, and sortation systems have only a limited capacity of uh, possible orders to be fulfilled. So this is really putting in crisis the whole situation and this is why this period is really sort of a crazy market with frantic activity because all the major companies are now trying to restructure themselves to be able to act omnichannel. And this is why we are seeing all this investment going on, changes in the supply chain, companies which were mainly based on retail or also already into the e-com. Now they are trying, how do we balance the two flows?
0: How does that change network strategies in terms of where and how many warehouses you have? Now, we know what Amazon's strategy is, is to build these giant fulfillment centers all over the country. If you're not Amazon, uh, in the world of e-commerce, and given the fact the needs that we've talked about for very fast fulfillment, does that mean you can usually fulfill from one or two gigantic centralized warehouses or do you have to start building smaller regional facilities all over the country for that quick access to the buyer?
1: Once again, I have to say there are different business models, different companies which act differently. One of our major customers, European-based, they are a very centralized organization. Everything is shipped out of Europe in maximum 48 hours in any shop around the world. And this is okay for retail. But if they need to cope with e-com, they have local DCs in the different countries, in the US, in Europe, in the Far East, exactly to be able to provide this quick and fast service level. But the core is still centralized. Then we have other giants also in the US where have multiple distribution centers and each of these is growing in sizes. And these are still doing both retail and e-com. And then there are other companies which are now, instead of thinking of making multiple, smaller in sizes, omnichannel DCs. And when I mean omnichannel, I mean distribution center where the same solution implemented is capable of delivering whatever combination of retail orders, wholesale orders, or direct-to-consumer orders. So, we see a tendency for bigger and bigger sites. The scope of our projects are twice the size of only a few years ago, but at the same time, other customers are investing in smaller, pure e-com distribution centers to be close to the customers.
0: Doesn't it seem like it makes most sense, though, in terms of expense and best use of resources to have single omni-channel centers that can handle all kinds of orders? I mean, obviously, there are challenges in doing that, but doesn't that seem to make the most sense in general?
1: I fully agree with you. The reason why some companies are still centralized is because they really want to be in control to the last detail. So they want only to be able to ship last minute the right quantities and the right SKUs to the right shops. And there are Mm -hmm. benefits, but not as many, as you're rightly saying, in pure omnichannel DCs, because an omnichannel DC can really fulfill whatever combination of order. And we know at the moment, no one is capable of forecasting how much e-commerce will grow. We have multiple customers which are telling us, well, actually, at the moment, we are in around 10% of our sales is e-com, but in the next four or five years, we see this might become 25%. So everybody is trying to understand how can they cope, how they can keep, keep flexibility in their daily operation, but still being able to process all the profiles which are completely different in sizes. And exactly this flexibility is achievable only with a pure omni-channel solution.
0: You mentioned a company in Europe. I'm wondering, though – once again, I'm asking for a general answer, which you're unable to give me because it's just too complex a world out there. It is, but it is. are there basic differences that you can see between fulfillment strategies in North America versus Europe?
1: Yes. There are quite different strategies because – It's the mindset of the managers, I would say. In the U.S., typically a manager stays in a company for a short period, therefore has to prove that the investment he has proposed already pay back. So typically the the short-term investment in the U.S., they have to pay back in two, three years maximum. And this is why often we call these islands of automation, which means starting from the legacy system and simply trying to adapt, to optimize, but without rethinking completely the supply chain. What we see completely different in Europe is customers are prepared to get rid of distribution centers which are not any more fit for the new requirements and rethink the supply chain, which means, yes, longer time for investment. So maybe it pays back in five to seven years, but still companies are going to this direction. What I see mainly in the U.S. is the focus out of the omnichannel is mainly on the last mile compared to restructuring the entire order fulfillment part of the distribution mm-hmm. center of the supply chain. By last mile, I mean trying to turn stores into fulfillment centers. So if I have any way the supply chain which is pushing stuff to my stores and they have too much inventory, how do I cope with this? Okay, I turn them into small distribution centers which can fulfill the local e-commerce orders. But this is still not the best way because in the end you always end up with the wrong stock in the wrong place. I also witnessed this coming many times. I always come two or three times in the US every year. And discount culture which is coming out of this, is quite impressive. I was last year in Chicago and I had the chance to visit different department stores or single stores and everything is on sale. And this is somehow different from Europe as well. Actually, in 2016, 75% of the sales in apparel in the U.S. has been off with off prices. It's like becoming a habit. Mm -hmm. Always something is on sale. While in Europe, we have limited periods where we can provide on-sale sales. And this is why probably this discount culture is not so strong. On top of this, there are different requirements from different countries in terms of ergonomics. In Europe, plays a very strong role. So every person who works in a distribution center can only lift a certain amount of weight per day or maximum weight per item. So all these regulations are driving to more and more automation while I don't see such a strong requirements in the U.S.
0: One of the biggest challenges, if indeed not maybe the biggest challenge in the world of apparel and e-commerce, is that of handling returns. How good a job are facilities doing right now with the current level of automation?
1: This is probably the biggest challenge for any solution, how to deal with returns, because in a panel, we are talking of averages of between 30 to 40, sometimes 50 percent of what is going out on e-com is coming back as returns. And there are different ways of processing returns, but always they, they pose challenges because some of these SKUs can be sold again very quickly, so they only temporarily visit the dc they are just requalified, and then they out some other times they need to be placed back into the stock and this for sure is where we are posing most of the attention and there are solutions like for example we have a solution based on what we call the pocket sorter which enables to hold temporarily these returns before being used again for the following orders
0: can you give me just a very brief vision of how you think these systems might evolve in future? What might the e-commerce, the omni-channel system, fulfillment system look like in the years
1: ahead? They will be more and more focused on being highly dynamic. I would say more and more based on automation so that we prevent people from having to work with repetitive jobs. And they will be probably located everywhere, even in densely populated areas, because the beauty of having a highly automated system is that can be installed everywhere. At the moment, we are facing problems. Well, our customers cannot find the labor to run distribution centers, whether they are in the center of Europe, whether they are in the East or West Coast of the US, whether they are in China. One of the major problems for them is to find labor to work in distribution centers. For the future, we see small requirement for this labor, and as I said before, more requirement for skilled technicians and engineers to run these distribution centers, but with a small number of people.
0: Rafael, I now want to turn to a discussion of TGW and its solutions itself. Give me a quick capsule history of the company, would you please? Yes. So TGW
1: was born in 1969 in Austria, mainly as a manufacturer of high-quality components. This has been the core of this company for almost three decades. Then, with the change of the market, TGW decided to become a system integrator. And therefore, instead of manufacturing just products or components, we turned the company into delivering solutions based on systems. For us, a system means it's a combination of different parts. It's hardware and it's IT. And actually, IT is the brain of a solution, of a system. And the system is typically, the way we propose systems is based on pre-engineered modules where all the strategies that we are going to implement on the real side have been initially tested with simulation and emulation as well. So this is really turning not anymore into products, but selling solutions based on systems.
0: Are you able to take advantage, I would assume, of just the latest technologies in terms of machine learning, artificial intelligence, kind of complex technological advances? Do you, are you able to incorporate that into your offerings?
1: Yes, this is exactly the way we are moving towards, especially for what concerns split case picking, or you can also call it piece picking systems. The biggest change in these solution, in this industry in the last few years has been from going to persons to goods type of solutions into goods-to-person solutions, which means the operator stays into a workstation and the goods are coming to him, both the source with the SKUs and also the order load carriers are coming to him. Somehow, the operator in the end is picking from one position and dropping into another one continuously. So somehow we are asking the operators to behave like robots. So instead of having a robot which needs to be taught by the designers. This is a real self-learning technology. We know that the, the biggest challenge is what do we do with operators in a distribution center? Because the more technology, the more automation we place, the more we restrict the operation that people have to carry out. And in this, we can also expect some kind of a difference of profile of people working in these distribution centers. Now, we used to have a lot of labor, temporary labor, drawn into distribution centers to cope with peaks. In the future, we will see more automation being able to cope with peaks, but the requirements of people in distribution centers will be higher graduated people technicians being able to deal with the automation
0: tell me about flashpick flashpick
1: is our flagship solution it's smart goods to person peace picking system so inside the distribution center we have the receiving we have the put away and we have the order fulfillment portion flashpick copes delivers this order fulfillment portion of a solution. It's based on shuttle technology and goods-to-person stations. As I said before, for us, it's not just a combination of modules or components. It's really a system, which we have designed to respect some of the guidelines that we have. So every solution that TGW puts on the market has to be highly dynamic which means that being able to deliver high throughput and provide the shortest order lead times. Because one of the points we didn't touch today so far is the fact that order fulfillment systems can take many hours to process orders or very short amount of minutes to process orders. pick is in this second category. So by the time an order arrives in the distribution centers can be processed, it's a matter of minutes. It's flexible because it's completely independent from the order structure. Again, one day we can process a vast majority of retail orders. The next day could be only e-com orders. And the same solution based on pick can do either. It's scalable. Again, we design these in small blocks which can be scaled up, still in a fully flexible solution and this is why it's modular. It's highly ergonomic, so the peak stations are designed to be a nice environment to work in, so the operators don't suffer fatigue and they can provide high performance. These are designed also to accommodate robotics into these station, so we can start implementing a manual solution, but the same station can be then transformed into a goods-to-robot rather than goods-to-person solution. And what is interesting is these entire solutions, because they are smart, they are affordable. is What we always point out is for customers, think of the total cost of ownership. One thing is the investment. Another thing are the operational costs to run this kind of investment. When you think of these solutions for inter-logistics or material handling automation, as you would call it more in the US, you have to think of the overall, the holistic perspective. And in, from this perspective, flash pick in some situations pays in three to five years.
0: Rafael Destro, I want to thank you so much for Bringing us up to date on on the latest, the state of the art of technology in fulfillment for fast fashion and apparel in the omni-channel world, uh, and also uh, sharing some information about TGW and Flashpick itself as well. Thank you so much for being with us today.
1: Thank you, Bob. It's been a pleasure.
0: That was my conversation with Rafaela Destro of TGW Logistics Group, talking about the fulfillment of fast fashion. Our thanks to TGW for sponsoring this episode. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. If you've got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode, email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. See you next time.